board. Um, so yeah, we thank you for um, the safety that they've been held in and that they've come back. And um, Lord God, we um, pray just for now that for a fresh anointing to fall on Phil, that you'd fill him afresh, Lord, of your Holy Spirit. And um, Father, Lord, that you would uh, help us to receive what he has for us and um, for it to fall deep down in our hearts, Lord. Water it, Lord, of your Holy Spirit. And Father, may it produce a crop um, 30, 60, 100-fold, Lord, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. I love to go, but I love to come back uh, and be with the body uh, of people that God has joined me to, the family. Is there still trouble with you hearing me at the back? It's PA people, this is your job, not my job. Come on, Sam. Excuse me. On it. Okay, one, two, three, one, two, three. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Okay, can you hear? Is it plugged in the, in the back? No, it doesn't work. Doesn't work. Not good. Okay. I'll have to... I don't think anyone's going to move anywhere because there's only three seats at the front. Five, six. Okay. I will raise my voice. Yes. If it drops, just raise a hand. And uh, I'll go back up there again. Nikki, you'll do that, won't you? Okay, fine. Um, I want to talk about the wonderful grace of God. The wonderful grace of God. This word grace does not simply have one meaning when we read about it in the Bible. So when you read that word, we have to read it in context and we need to know the meaning that we need to apply to it in that context. We've sung several songs about the grace of God. And uh, I just want to deal with one aspect of it. If you have your Bibles, it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and it's verse 1. Paul is writing this letter to the Corinthian church and he is holding up an, as an example to them of grace the Macedonian church and so he is talking to the Corinthian church but holding up as an example the Macedonian church and he says this we're just going to look at verse 1 now and then I'll bring in the rest of the verses later he says and now brothers brothers and sisters we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. I want to talk to you about this grace that God has available to us that makes it possible for us to live like Christ. The grace that he has made available to us. My own definition of grace, it is the life of God that resides within each one of us to enable us 
to handle and manage life in a Christ-like way. We have natural resources, but you are not going to manage living this Christian life on your natural resources. And God knows this. So God has poured inside of you his grace. And we, by faith, have to draw on the grace that is within us to live this Christian life. When we receive Christ, it wasn't an idea of accepting a certain doctrine or tradition that this man Christ died for us. Initially, that's what we did. We received a truth. But when we accepted Christ, Christ himself came to live inside of us. Peter said in his epistle, you have everything you need for life and godliness already in you. You have within you, you don't have to ask God for anything, you have within you the potential to live like Christ. It is in you because Christ himself lives inside you. You say, oh, I could never live like Christ. That's a lie. Whether you will or not will depend on you. But you can because Christ lives on the inside of you. And all the grace that was in Christ is inside you. But by faith we have to draw on this in certain circumstances of life so we live like Christ. It is God's supernatural life that is resident on the inside of you. When John was talking to the woman uh, at Samaria, you remember the woman at the well and he asked her for water and so forth and uh, there's a whole dialogue there, you can read it in John 4. He said to her, a spring of water welling up from inside of us to eternal life. He said, what will happen to those who put their faith in Christ? A well will be placed with inside of them. And this well can spring up to a fountain of life, eternal life, not everlasting life, the life of God, Zoe, the life of God can flow from this well within. So all of you have within you a resource, a well that is the life of God within you. It is the grace of God that dwells on the inside of you. And you have the opportunity through faith to draw on this well so you live like Christ. When things arise in life, we try to handle them with our natural resources, and we should. But what we'll find is very quickly, our natural resources run out. We are tested, as it were, with difficult situations, difficult people, uh, difficult events in our life, and we, we, we face it with all the grace and strength that we have, to find, oh, I can't do this. This person is too difficult. This situation is too hard. This thing is too problematic. I can't cope. But God says you can because my grace is within you 
And you can draw on my life, my power, my grace, my Zoe, to live like Christ. This power enables you to keep your calm. Do you ever lose your calm? It enables you to live without panic in your life, without losing it, that you maintain a mindset and a posture and the call of Christ. Often I have discovered, as I draw on the grace of God, I have the wisdom of God that comes with it. And I'm really surprised. I don't panic. I don't lose it. I draw on the life that is deposited in me through faith in Christ. Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, 7 to 10, he shares a testimony with us. He's, I love it. In a way, it's Paul's failure. But he's not afraid to share his testimony of failure because in it he knows that he will strengthen and build up the church. He talks about being tormented by a messenger from Satan. I believe this to be an angelic being, a fallen angel. Paul was just ripping up the kingdom of darkness. Satan didn't roll over. He garrisoned angels, demonic spirits as well, to target this man and to stop him in his advance. Can I say to you, you need to attract Satan to you. You need to be living such a way that you get put on his hit list. You don't want to go under the radar all the time. Remember when the seven sons of Sceva tried to develop, uh, deliver the guy of that spirit? They said, Jesus we know, and Paul we have heard about. But who are you to do these things? So Paul is being tormented, it says. A messenger sent of Satan to buffet him. It's hindering him from advancing the gospel, from preaching the gospel, from being focused on what the call of God is on his life. And this thing keeps knocking him back. So he prays to God. He said, God, I can't cope with this. I can't cope. Send, send angels, send something to deal with this tormenting thing. And God responds. He says, no. No. He says, I have deposited in within you the very grace of God. And in this time of weakness, this time when you're not succeeding, this time when you're being buffeted and smashed by the enemy, he said, that's when my power within you rises to the surface and manifests itself in your life. See, you could pray in a difficult situation 
and, and call upon God to deliver you, only to find he won't. Because his power in you is only made evident in the midst of your weakness. And that power is not to deliver you necessarily, but to carry you through. To carry you through the buffetings, the storms, the things that are coming. And Paul shares this testimony. God says to him, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So next time you're not coping, next time you think that God has left you, next time when it just comes, the buffeting comes again and again and again and you're getting no breakthrough and your children are just running amok or whatever is happening in your life, know that in the midst of that weakness, God's power is ready to rise up within you. But by faith, you must call on that power. It is by faith that we receive from God. God gives you nothing. God does nothing for you. He did nothing for Paul because he's already done everything he can do in putting himself within you. He says, you're asking me for something that you already have resident within you. You need by faith to draw on this grace, draw on this power within, and let it flow out of you in the time of weakness. Oh, that we go through buffeting. Oh, in this time of transformation, we start wailing and moaning and grizzling and complaining. Because in the midst of that, we can draw on the power of God within. Aren't I a terrible man? Next time you hear yourself complaining, acknowledge it as a trigger to draw on the power of God within, the grace to see you through. Catch yourself complaining, grumbling, why, why, and say, this is the trigger that I've been waiting for. Now I will release this grace within me. I will call upon this grace within me to overcome. God will not always deliver you. But you always have the opportunity to draw on God's power. We're going to double services next week. I don't want to go. I don't want to do it. Not for one second do I want to do it. I don't want to. I don't want to. Why? I want to be with you. 
No, I will be in both meetings, so I will always be with you. But a double service will split us, won't it? I know it's only temporary. We're only talking about four or five weeks. I don't want to do it for one week. But it'll split us. It'll mean I've got extra work to do. I don't want to do any more work. I have enough work to do, thank you very much. I'm trying to do less work, not more work. But a double service will cause me to do more work. You don't want it. Because generally people are conservative with a small c. They don't want to change. So changing goes, I'm uncomfortable now. You're making me do something I don't want to do. And I don't want to, I don't want to put that on you. I don't. I'm trying to look after you and bless you and minister to you and make sure you get to heaven in one piece. That's part of the process of what I'm about. But this is going to make you feel uncomfortable. Might cause some of you to complain. See that as a trigger for calling on the grace of God. These new chairs are quite comfortable. Uh, you like the chairs? <laughs> that's, just, that's just a little... Uh, a little tempter, a little, uh, and and if if what Audrey's saying is true, listen, a double service is nothing. <laughs> if it comes to transformation, sometimes I wish you're not true. I wish you're not right. Okay, but there's a good chance you are right, and there's a good chance there's a transformation taking place. So look at yourself now, because in six months' time, it might not be anything like this. So if we if we stagger at the thought that we've moved from the school to here and we might go to double services, it's going to heat up a lot more than this. What? I haven't got a clue. But it could get worse. She's talking about when uh, she, she brought what she thought the Lord was saying. It's a transformation in all areas. Everything. Everything. You might get your nose put out of joint. I don't know. But put your nose back again if it gets put out of joint. Draw on the grace of God within to adjust your nose. To be able to cope with what's going to happen. Because the grace is there in you to make the adjustments. Paul was complaining, wasn't he? He was complaining to God about the buffeting. And God said to him, it's all right, Paul. I'm not going to remove it. My grace in you is sufficient to cope with the buffeting. So put up with it. Put up with it. How do you activate God's grace? Let's read the rest of this passage now from 2 Corinthians 8. I'll start again and read the first five or six verses. And now, brothers, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of their most severe trials and their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty, there welled up a rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us in the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. So we urged Titus to complete this act of grace on your part. 
Titus had obviously gone to the church at Corinth and preached a sermon like this, teaching them about this grace that was available to them. Grace in every area of their life. He had taught them about the grace of God in regard to faith, speech, knowledge, complete earnestness, and in love. And now he was coming to complete the teaching on the grace that we needed to be givers. God's a giver. And he's inside you. And we give a little bit of our, our, our nat uh, natural ability to give because God's crazy on the inside of us. God gives everything. Everything. It's about giving this, I know. And I'm only priming you. You know that too, don't you? Okay. Well, the smart ones do. But it's a grace for everything. I want to pick up some points here. Point one, this grace was not manifested in one or two like serious Christians in Macedonia. It wasn't just manifested in the, the leadership. It said it was manifested in all of the churches in Macedonia. All of the churches understood about this grace that was inside of them. Point two, it says they were going through a severe trial. But in this severe trial, they knew that God had placed his power and grace within them and it enabled them to maintain an equilibrium, a Christian equilibrium, a spiritual equilibrium. What do I mean by that? What is a spiritual equilibrium? Can I suggest to you it's overflowing joy? Overflowing joy. The average Christian life, spiritual equilibrium, is an overflowing joy. Sometimes I wonder if Christians are living the same life that I'm living. This spiritual equilibrium is an overflowing joy. Here's the natural line of where we live. In overflowing joy. Everything's going fine. Everything's smooth. Everything's working out. And then trouble comes. And so we start to dip. We start to complain. We start to, and I tell you, unless we draw on the grace of God to get us back up to equilibrium, we will dive and continue to go down and down and down and down because already your natural sources have run out to lift you up and you can't lift yourself up you can't get there. It's the grace of God in you that can lift you, bring you up to that place. But if you don't call on God's grace, you will end up in a sad place. God came to Cain. He said, Cain, what's wrong with you? 
you've got an angry look on your face. He said, I'm sick of my brother. I've done the best I can, but you have rejected my offering, but accepted my brothers, and my brothers know better than me. He never listened to God. And so instead of being raised up again to spiritual equilibrium, he dived all the way down and killed his brother. See, once you start moaning, there's no stop. There's no stop. You need the grace of God to be released and you have the power within to release it so God can lift you back up to this place. We tolerate complaining too much in our church. Even from Christian to Christian, we should have the guts to say, shut up. Shut up going on. You've got the grace of God within you. You have nothing to complain about. And even if it's terrible, you've got the grace of God to call on, to lift you up to spiritual equilibrium. Do you agree? Some people look really sad out there. Maybe you're just contemplating. It's the thoughtful look. Jesus faced the cross I cannot think of anything more horrendous for a human being to do. He's been flogged and beaten already and he's facing the cross. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, before it all happened, he said, Lord, is there another way? Because I don't want this. I can't face it. Can we do this some other way? He knew the answer. God said, no. But he said, I'll remind you of something. My grace is sufficient for you, Jesus. See, he was in the same place that we're in. Was Jesus complaining? Mm, I wouldn't go as far as say that. But he was trying to get out of it if it was possible, wasn't he? He suggested that in his humanity. He said, my grace is sufficient for you, Jesus. So as he draws on the well of God's grace within, he says, for the joy that was set before him. How can you say that? How can you say that facing the cross? I'm not saying he was happy and smiling on the road, but he found within him a grace that enabled him to see the potential of the cross, to see you here this morning, to see millions of people born again, to see Satan defeated and crushed and demons smashed. He saw that in his spirit. God showed it to him. And so for the joy that welled up within him, he could walk through the cross for the joy that was set before him. When you're going through a severe trial 
and you start to complain, see that as a trigger for the release of God's grace and you'll be surprised at the joy that will be set before you. You go, you're sounding like, I'll never be miserable ever again. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. That's it. You say, this is too far-fetched. Of course the gospel's too far-fetched. And I only know a little bit about it. It's vastly better than what I'm ever trying to explain to you today. God's grace will always match the problem. Jesus needed the grace of God to go through the cross. That was mega. It says about these people here, they were going through severe trials. And they knew that God's grace was sufficient. See, whatever the trial, his grace will be sufficient. Whatever the problem, whatever the difficulty, whatever the setback, his grace will be sufficient so you can be carried through with overflowing joy. And people will say to you, how are you so peaceful? Why are you throwing a fit? Why aren't you getting upset and angry about these things? Why aren't you giving them a piece of your mind? Because the overflowing joy of the grace of God has put me into a place of spiritual equilibrium. I'm not saying don't point out things if you think they're wrong. Don't express your opinion. I'm not, I'm not trying to muzzle you. Just saying, don't go down. Don't go down in it. We all have different opinions about things, and these opinions need to be shared and aired, and we need to, uh, maybe you've got solutions to things that I've never thought of, and I, I need those solutions. But I'm not going down, because the grace of God is within me to keep me afloat. They were in extreme poverty and there welled up a rich generosity. Just think of this. Imagine extreme poverty. You've been thrown out of your house, failure to pay the mortgage or rent. You've lost your job. You're penniless. You have people who are supporting you and looking to you and you have nothing. That's a severe trial. You agree with me? I want you to examine your mood in this situation. Tell me what you would be like. Well, it wouldn't be good, would it? It would be quite dark and quite miserable. It says that these people here were going through severe trials. Their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty, their welled up a rich generosity. Compare now that you're comfortable, you've got your home, you've got all your bills paid, it's all nice, and someone sends you a cheque for a hundred thousand pounds. Woo! Now look at your mood. It's completely different, you understand? These Macedonians were going through severe trials. 
but they reacted with a rich generosity. Their whole attitude was different. Not because of circumstances, but because of the grace of God. They didn't receive a penny to get them out of their severe trials, or whatever the severe trial was. God hadn't brought anything to the fore. There wasn't anything given to them, but their response was one of rich generosity. When it's bad and you're starting to go down and you remember this sermon and you call on the grace of God to lift you up to a place of overflowing joy, what will happen in this position is that you can live by faith. If you're miserable and down, you can't live by faith. It doesn't work. But God raising you up with this rich generosity feeling, you start to believe God. You remember the verse that says, My God shall supply all of your needs according to his glorious riches. And in this place of spiritual equilibrium, this place of overflowing joy, faith starts to function in your life. And you know it's only a question of time before breakthrough. That's how it works. You get down in the dumps and faith won't work ever in your life. The Macedonians heard of the needs of their brothers in Jerusalem. So they looked at the money they had, and they were very sensible Christians. They said, we need this for food, and this for rent, and this for something else. We can afford to give you this. That's natural. But now they have God living on the inside. Do you know God's crazy? Did you know? Absolutely crazy by human standards. So they look at the money they have and they're drawing now on the grace of God. And do you know what God does? He gets them to give it all away. Don't worry about rent. Don't worry about the food. Don't worry about the needs. Because God's a giver. Do you know God loves two things in the world? He loves them beyond anything else. What's the first thing he loves beyond everything? Help me. Us. He loves, he loves something better than us. Who is it? Who is it? No, he loves somebody. Oh. Ah, the two loves of God is the church and Jesus. And you know what he's done with us? He's given us to Jesus. 
He gave us away. We are his treasured possession and he's given us to Jesus. Jesus prayed, didn't he? He says, for those you have given to me, you've been given away by God. He gave you to Jesus. And for God so loved the world that he gave Jesus to us. God is a giver. I tell you something, if you draw on the grace of God, you will do things above and beyond what you would ever imagine. Because you're going beyond your natural ability to sort out a situation. God gives everything away all of the time. So be careful. Be careful. Ministries, point five, should never pressure congregations to give money. I don't care what you see on television. I don't care what you've heard from the pulpit. It's immoral. It's unscriptural and it's wrong. The minister needs to teach about the grace of God and the generosity of God and leave it up to the Holy Spirit to do the rest. If we go ahead with this extension, it's going to cost £100,000. Where's that money coming from? You. You. That's it. Your church, your extension, you're building it for the glory of God, you're building it so we can all get together in one place. But I will never pressurize you to give a penny. You have to give what the grace of God in you allows you to give. But if you release God's grace in you to do it, you will do what the Macedonians did. They give everything. And when Paul said, hang on a minute, you've got to keep some of this back for yourself, they insisted, they insisted that he received it. And he gave it to the poor that were in greater need than them. They gave themselves first to God and second to others. The grace of God in your life, if you release it, will get things in order. See, natural man puts himself first. That's why he complains. I'm uncomfortable. I don't like this. You're making me do something I don't want to do. Why have I got to do this? The grace of God puts God on the top, others second, and yourself at the bottom. You meet God's needs first. You meet everyone else's needs. And then you'll realize, I haven't got any. While you're at the top, all you can see is your needs. When you get it right, 
when God's grace is operating, you see it differently. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 6, he said, I will make myself poor so that you can become rich. And he said, I will die so that you might live. For a Christian to thoroughly enjoy this life 365 days of the year, which is God's plan, we have to live by the grace of God within us. If you leave it all in the well and you never cause it to come up like a spring in your life, you join the ranks of the million miserables on their way to heaven but grinding it out day after day after day trying to be a Christian on your own natural resources and it don't work it don't work it don't work at all. We live in enemy territory. You know that, don't you? The devil's rampant. The whole world is under the power of the evil one. God knows that. God understands why we go down, but he's made provision for you never to go down. And it's in here. And by faith... We draw on that grace, so we walk in victory. Even through the darkest, darkest nights, like prior to the crucifixion, Jesus walked with a joy that was set before him. God bless you. Amen.